0: Welcome to Theory First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Last week, we started a new series called Heroes of the Faith. We're taking a look at men and women from the Bible and how their stories can encourage and motivate our faith today. Each week we'll be examining one man and one woman from the Bible and we'll have a different pastor presenting each biblical character. Last week, Pastor Nicole started us off by talking about Rahab from the Old Testament and then Pastor Andrew Rupp, our worship pastor, discussed the Apostle John. Today, Pastor Don Fisher, who directs pastoral care at Erie First, will be sharing about Mary Magdalene, and then our children's pastor, Kayla Colazzo, will look into the life of the Apostle Peter. So let's continue our series, Heroes of the Faith. Here's Pastor Don Fisher.
1: Well, we're in our Heroes of Faith series. If you weren't here with us last Sunday, let me remind you of how this works. Um, I'm doing the first part Uh, And then when I finish, uh, Pastor Andy will come and lead us into a worship song. And then Pastor Kayla is coming and doing the second part. So when I finish, that doesn't mean pack up your bags and get ready to leave. That just means I finished. And I was going to be nice. I was going to be a gentleman and, you know, ladies first. And um, they didn't tell me this, but I think what they went with Age before beauty. (laughs) Yeah. So, here we go. I want you to listen closely this morning because when I get to the end of of what I'm teaching, uh, as I was putting my outline together, two words came to me tell them. Tell them. And I'm putting my outline together and I'm thinking, tell them what? Because I was working with the outline of Mary Magdalene, and it just kept coming. Tell them. When I got to the end of the outline, then I feel like that God has given me four things that He wants me to tell you. So you have to listen closely, and I believe that it's going to be spot on, not because it's me, but because this is something that God is wanting to share with us. And it ties into our teaching today. So Mary Magdalene, uh, not a lot is spoken of her. There's not a lot of scripture based on her. Uh, We don't know much about her. We don't know anything about her parents. We don't know anything about if she had brothers or sisters. Uh, We don't know her age. Uh, We don't really know uh, what her status was. But we do know that she lived in a town called Magdala on the southwest coast of uh, uh, of the Sea of Galilee. We know that Mary was raised in a troubled environment and saw many things and heard many things that no doubt affected her in a negative way. And then we read in Scripture where Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Now, that alone ought to kind of pique our interest because... Uh, how how did they get in? We don't know. Uh, what were they? We don't know. And sometimes you will hear people try to use conjecture or assumption and say, well, it had to be this demon of this. And the, the Bible doesn't tell us. All it says is that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. And after that, she became one of his followers. Mary Magdalene was there at the crucifixion. She was there at the burial, and she was the first one to see Jesus after his resurrection. But here's the thing. Because of these demons that had controlled her actions and her behavior, no doubt Mary was filled with a lot of despair, with shame, with guilt, with remorse, and probably considered damaged goods by those people around her. Because we don't know the manifestations. We don't know it affected her. We do know it affected her mentally. But was she sullen? Was she uh, talking crazy? Uh, Was she disheveled? Did she not care about her appearance? We don't know those things for sure. But we do know that there was something happening in Mary's life. And we do know that those people around her probably, they probably called her crazy woman, crazy lady, Uh, whatever words we would use today, weird, uh, just all kind of words that actually became labels. Here's the thing about labels. Labels attach themselves to our heart and possess our thinking. Now, you have to track with me this morning because when I get to the end, it's going to refer to some of the things we've been talking about but some of you sitting in this room today and some that watch this service online, you have lived with labels. Whether you have been labeled by your parents, whether you've been labeled by society, whether you've been labeled in school, uh, no matter where it came from, you have been living with labels most of your life. And even some of us have labeled ourselves when we refer to ourselves, we say, well, I'm Don Fisher, and I used to. I'm Don Fisher, and I was. And we still carry those labels. And when we look at Mary Magdalene, probably all that the people could see was a woman who had been possessed by demons, a woman who was damaged goods, a woman that, who had no future, but Jesus saw a woman who would minister to his heart, who would be one of several ladies that would follow him, support his ministry, support the disciples, and be an intricate part of his ministry. And interestingly interestingly enough, Magdala was the city that Jesus first stopped at when he left Nazareth and went to Capernaum. He stopped in Magdala, and all of this was taking place. But think with me for a moment. If if you were in this situation, I think that perhaps Mary felt like that she would never know what it was like to meet a man, to be loved, to be forgiven. But that all changed when she met the man called Jesus. And we could paraphrase this, this sermon today by simply saying Mary was a mess until she met the master. And when we meet Jesus, things change. She went from walking the streets to walking with Jesus. She went from bondage to freedom. She exchanged oppression for joy. She was no longer filled with evil, but peace and love. You see, friends, an encounter with Jesus will change your life forever. And that's why I think sometimes it might be good for us to go back to that little Sunday school song that simply says, Jesus loves me. This I know. And to understand that Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to forgive our past. He's willing to take us from our past and put us into the present and move us into the future. And this was what was happening with Mary. Because not only was she labeled, but when Jesus came into her life, she was liberated. She was set free. We see Paul referring to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. These words, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Now, what I take away from this is the words in Christ denotes position, a relationship of rest. And I want you to catch this. The only way to overcome your condition is by knowing your position. The only way to overcome your condition, whatever that condition is, the only way to overcome your condition is by knowing your position you see knowing church will not change you knowing all of the words to a song will not change you knowing famous people will not change you but when we come to know jesus when he comes not only the savior but the lord of our life things begin to change And we recognize who we are when we are in Him. Now, the narrative of Mary picks up in John chapter 20. And it's important enough to read this because I want to draw a couple of things out of here. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I'll get him. Two things were happening here, probably the same situation as the two men on the road to Emmaus when Jesus came up beside them. They were so filled with despair and distraught and disappointment and heartache, and the one that they had followed and believed in had had left. And they didn't even recognize Jesus when he came. But here specifically, she says, hey, he's my Lord. Do you notice in the very first verse there, it says, they have taken away my Lord. And you just tell me where they've taken him and I'll get him and I'll give him a proper burial. I'll make sure he's taken care of. But Jesus said to her, Mary, And she turned him and cried out in Aramaic, Robonai, which means teacher. See, Mary's first response was, They have taken away my Lord. Now, you and I, notice when we read in the scripture, it says when she looked into the tomb, she saw two angels. Probably for you and I, that would have been enough. We would have been impressed. When you see two angels, one at the head and one at the foot, it's like, okay, this is is great. But notice Mary's response. The angels didn't impress her, but the absence of Jesus concerned her. And I don't have time to, to develop on this thought, but here's the thing. There are things in our life that impress us. There are things in our life that satisfy us. There are things in our life that we are accustomed to, that we depend upon, that we trust in. But oftentimes, we just don't notice the absence of Jesus. And for Mary Magdalene, this was all important. There's an empty tomb, there are two angels, but where is my Lord? So Mary must have been thinking, I don't know which is worse, to never have hope or to have hope and then watch it disappear. So we have this woman that had lived her life, and again, not knowing her age, we don't know how long she lived in this condition, with the seven demons. But we do know there was a transformation taking place when she met Jesus. And we know that this is something that she experienced and something that she held on to very dear. Now, here's the takeaway from this story. And I want you to listen close this morning because I'm speaking specifically To many of you in this room, this is not a word from the Lord for one person. I believe it's something that we all are going to relate to. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit will speak that truth into your heart when you hear these words. You are not a product of what has happened to you or what other people have said about you. You are not a product of what has happened to you or what other people have said about you. That has been a label and a lie that you have allowed yourself to live with. You are the product of what is in you and who is in you to produce a promise, to demonstrate power, and to experience peace. You say, Pastor Don, you know, I, I've, I haven't even thought about this until you brought it up. That's why I'm bringing it up. I haven't even thought, it. but when I look back on my life, I've been influenced by what people have said about me. I've been affected what, by what people have done to me. I've been affected because in my life I've been used and misused and abused. And now God is bringing to the forefront that this is something that I don't have to live with anymore. God wants to set me free. You see, you don't have to live with your labels because Jesus wants to liberate you because he loves you. Now, what did God tell me to tell you? I'm going to tell you what he told me to tell you. Four things. First of all, he is saying this morning to us, you have allowed your past to define you. You have allowed your past define you and again I don't have the time to break down all of these things but I believe the Holy Spirit and we're praying that the Holy Spirit will speak into your heart what this means for you you've allowed your past to define you number two you may not have seven demons But you have been held captive by pride, jealousy, anger, complacency, unforgiveness, on and on and on and on. And because of that, you have labeled yourself. It hasn't come from people outside of your sphere of friends, but you've labeled yourself. You've placed that label on you to say, I'm unworthy, I can't do it, I don't deserve it. God doesn't care about me. All of these things in the past and what it has done, it has brought you to a place of stagnation. That's why this morning I'm sharing information that brings transformation by way of application so you will not stay in stagnation. Number three, Jesus wants to remove the labels today. Today, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. I do not believe that we have to wait for a day, a week, a year, a month. I believe that Jesus is saying to you and I today that he wants to remove the labels and set you free. To release you from the past. Why? Because he loves you. Just like he loved Mary Magdalene. And the fourth is your responsibility, because here's the thing. Anytime God gives us a promise, there's often a responsibility attached to it. So here is our responsibility. Stop focusing on what you're running from. There are people in this congregation today that are listening to me that you have spent most of your life running from the past. And you know what happens when you're running from something? You have to keep looking over your shoulder to see if you're ahead of it. And I believe that God is saying to us today, stop focusing on what you're running from and start focusing on what you need to run to. And that is run to God. Stop focusing on what you're running from and start focusing on what you're running to. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons you give us. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you want to liberate us, that you want to remove labels, extending your love to us in a very special way. And we give you thanks. Amen.
2: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in big church today, right? That's what we call it back there. I have to say, it's a whole lot cleaner on this side of that wall. Then it probably is back there right now. Uh, usually, quite frankly, at this time of day, we are usually knee deep into some kind of mess that I created <laughs> all by myself. Um, and it's uh, kind of become a joke with mine that when Pastor Nicole hired me a couple years ago, she thought she was hiring a kid's pastor to teach kids about Jesus, but what she didn't know that what came with that is that I would make a mess every single Sunday and then I would spend the whole week cleaning it up just to make another mess on Sunday and repeat the process again and again and again and again. And, again. and they're probably keeping it up for me right now so that I can clean it up all week and do it again. Um, it's it's funny, but it's true. There was one Sunday a couple months ago. Uh, we made such a mess. We pre-vacuumed the entire kids' chapel before the cleaning team came in with the industrial vacuum. It was so bad. I tried to apologize in advance. I had my My whole story lined up, but I didn't get there in time. And when I walked up to her, Bobby Altimus looked at me with horror in her eyes and said, what did they do in there? And I said, we had a lot of fun and we made a mess and I'm so sorry. But the worst mess we ever made came from this game right here. Uh, It involved two large boxes of packing peanuts that I uh, diligently looked for on Amazon to find one that said static free and the box lied. There was a lot of static, they were not static free, and in about 10 minutes, we had completely destroyed the kids' chapel, and then it looked like this next picture you're gonna see. There were packing peanuts from one side to the other, five vacuums later, one of which we totally broke. It never worked again. We had that mess all cleaned up and ready to go for the next Sunday so that we could make a mess again and uh, have a lot of fun. And so uh, it's an honor to be with you this morning, and uh, but it's also a privilege to be with your kids every week. We love uh, learning about Jesus and growing together and making messes along the way. So we have a good time. But this morning I want to uh, spend some time with you today talking about a hero of faith who was really good at making a mess today, we're going to look at the life of Peter, and he didn't just make one mess; he made a whole lot of them. Uh, and we're just going to study his life a little bit this morning. Um, we know from Scripture that Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen, and both of them, along with the two sons of Zebedee, um, were partners in their fishing business together. We know this uh, from Luke 5:10, where it tells us that they were partners, that they fished together, and all four of these men were called to follow Jesus. on the exact same day. You can read about their call to Jesus and to a life of discipleship with him in all four of the Gospels. But scripture references Peter, James and John as being Jesus's closest disciples. We see multiple times in scripture where they spent private time alone with Jesus. Scholars also believe that Peter was likely the leader of the disciples, almost like the head disciple that they answered to him in some shape or form. And the reason for this is that in all four accounts in scripture where the disciples are listed, Peter's name is always mentioned first. The other disciples move around just a little bit, but Peter Peter's name is always the first one on the list. We see him referenced in scripture in a couple different ways. Uh, one is Simon um, as Peter, and then is Simon Peter. And today, when we refer to him and we talk about him, most of the time we call him Peter or the, the Apostle Peter. But his original name was most likely Simon uh, John T. Tales for us how Simon got the name Peter in 1 John, uh, starting in verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Uh, Peter in the Greek is the word petros, and it means a piece of rock or a stone. And so Peter essentially got his nickname from Jesus. Peter's name is mentioned in Scripture more times than anyone else except for Jesus. He's spoken to directly uh, from Jesus more than any other disciple. And Peter himself spoke more than any of the other disciples recorded in Scripture. And that sounds pretty great. It doesn't sound too messy, right? Except for the fact... That Peter was also rebuked by Jesus more times than any other disciple. He, Peter himself, thought it was a good idea to rebuke Jesus. That never ends well. And uh, Peter was actually called uh, something pretty terrible by Jesus. Jesus even addressed him as Satan. Satan. And so we know that things got a little bit messy for Peter because Peter had immense faith in the Lord. He was bold in his love for Jesus. He dropped everything he had and followed Jesus immediately. But Peter had one problem, and Peter's mouth just got the best of him A lot of the times his brain and his mouth were not always connecting properly. He didn't think before he spoke and it got him into some pretty messy situations. Uh, The one we're going to look at first is found in Matthew 14. Jesus had just finished preaching and performing the miracle of feeding the 5,000 and he sent the disciples on a boat across the Sea of Galilee And verse 22 starts the story. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, When the disciples saw him walking, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed back into the boat, and the wind died down. So here's Peter. He's in the boat with the other disciples. There's a lot of wind and waves, and everyone else is afraid, thinking that they're seeing a ghost. I don't know if they've been watching way too much Ghostbusters or what, but none of them thought it could possibly be Jesus. But here's Peter, and he's living his bold faith. And out of all the disciples, he's the only one to want to go to Jesus. See, sometimes his bold faith got him over his head, but this time it caused him to try to get closer to his Lord. But when he saw the wind, when he realized he was in the middle of a really big mess, he began to sink. And his fear quickly overcame his faith. When his eyes left Jesus and turned to the mess around him, he began to sink. See, when his eyes were fixed on Jesus and they were fixed on getting to his Savior, getting to the goal, on where he was supposed to be going, Peter was just fine. The mess didn't stop him. The wind didn't stop him. The wind didn't come out of nowhere. It was already there. But when he turned his eyes away from the goal and started looking around him, that's when the mess got to him. That's when he began to sink. Peter cried out to Jesus, and Jesus reached out his hand, and he was patient with him. And he lovingly reminded him, Peter, why are you afraid? I'm right here. You don't have to be afraid. You can come right here. There's a lot of stories in scripture where Peter gets caught up in the mess of what's around him. The night Jesus was crucified, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples with him. And as Jesus was praying, Judas and a large crowd of Roman soldiers and officials from the Pharisees and the chief priests began to come. And this crowd comes and gathers around Jesus, lots of big men with really big swords. And Peter, what did Peter do? Peter evidently wasn't afraid because I would have been terrified. And Peter did something I would never do. He reached into his belt and pulled out his own sword. I think Peter thought he was his own army because he was ready to go to war. He waved his sword in the air and ends up chopping off the ear of the chief priest's servant, Malchus. He created a mess again, and once again, Jesus had to intervene into Peter's situation. I love how Luke puts it. He says, uh, Jesus answered, no more of this, and he touched the man's ear, and he healed it. I I have to chuckle because uh, the mom in me, here's here's Jesus talking to a toddler right there, right? If you're a mom or a dad, how many times have you said, no more, stop it, please, just stop, put it down, sit down. We don't need to be doing this right now. Because see, Peter was bold in his faith, but his short-sightedness of where he was at created a mess that only Jesus could fix. Uh, a short time later, Peter followed Jesus as he went to the high, uh, the high priest. He wanted to see what was going to happen with Jesus. His love for him compelled him to go. But as he was there, people began to question him. Aren't you one of his disciples? You have to be one of them. You sound like a Galilean. We know you're one of them. And Peter denied And he denied. And finally, the third time, Luke 22, verse 60, records his response. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows tonight, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Jesus knew Peter was going to do this. This wasn't a surprise. There was nothing that Peter did that was ever a surprise for Jesus. Peter made a huge mess over and over and over again. But one thing Peter always was, was bold in his love. For Jesus, when everyone stood silent, Peter stood out. When he reached out his Jesus reached out his hand, Peter was the first one and the only one to climb out of the boat in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was the only one willing to go to war to protect his Lord and Savior. He was the only one. In Matthew sixteen, we see Jesus with his disciples, and he asks them a question. He says, "Who do you say that I am?" And they give him different answers. Some said Elijah. Some said John the Baptist. Some said, uh, some say you are one of the prophets. And Jesus asks again, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter is the first one to answer. And he speaks up boldly and he declares, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter might've been messy, but he was bold in his passionate love and his pursuit of Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and told him, I know you're going to deny me. You're going to deny that you even know me. But yet Jesus chose Simon because he knew that Simon wasn't Simon. Simon was Peter. Jesus called Simon out of the mess and calls him Peter, who he really is. He says, Peter, you're the rock. That's who you are. See, the world is messy and people were messy We live in a mess of sin, and sin causes us to get a little bit messy. I tell the kids all the time, sin makes you stink. It makes us stink, and sometimes we get into a mess. And sometimes we convince ourselves that our mess is too big. Our problems are too great. It's too shameful. It's too embarrassing. It's our fault. We convince ourselves that there's no way that a holy and perfect and loving God would choose imperfect people like us. But when Jesus came, he knew what he was getting into. It wasn't a surprise. There was no shock factor when Jesus came to earth. He came and he willingly walked into the mess so that he could pull you through it so you didn't have to sit there alone so that in the middle of the storm, when you thought you could walk on your own and you suddenly realized that you couldn't, that all you had to do was reach hold and take hold of his hand. Stepping into the mess was always part of Jesus's plan. We forget that Jesus in his perfection chose us. He chose the messy. He chose the broken. He chose the outcast and the harlot and the zealot and the tax collector. Everyone that the world deemed unworthy, Jesus declared that they were just fine because it's in his perfection. It's not in ours. We don't have to be perfect We don't have to walk in perfection because we get to walk with it. Jesus is perfect. He is the way. He is the calm in the storm. He's the answer to the mess. He's the ultimate cleaning crew and you don't even have to pay for it because he already did. He already paid. I don't know what mess you're experiencing today. Maybe it's a mess that you find yourself in because other people made decisions for you that you didn't have a choice in, and now you're sitting in a mess that someone else created and you've got to deal with it. Or maybe today you're in a mess of your own making and there's choices that you made and now you're paying the consequences and the mess just feels really stinky and it feels like too much. Today God wants you to know that he's got so much more for you than the mess. There's so much more that He's called you to, just like Peter and just like Mary Magdalene. He's calling you out of the mess and says that there is hope for you. He has a new name for you. You don't have to be Simon. He's calling you to be Peter. Where the world sees broken, Jesus sees whole. Where the world sees addiction, He sees restoration. Where there's broken relationship, He sees wholeness. Where He see others see depression, He sees joy. Where there's anxiety. He sees peace where there's sickness. He sees healing. Today, if you feel captive, God wants you to know that you are free. I didn't read Pastor Don's sermon. I had no idea. But God wants you to know something today, that he loves you. His plan is not the mess. His plan is not the labels. It's not the brokenness. He sees more. There's hope for you today. If you're on the prayer team tables, if you don't mind coming uh, to the table today. And if that's you today, if, if that's the Lord speaking to you today, he wants you to know that he's right there with you. You're not in the mess alone. And he just wants you to know that if you'll just trust him, if you'll just take the hand that he holds out today, he'll pull you through the mess. He will pull you through the storm. And today he just says, will you just take my hand today? I've got more for you than the mess. Let's pray together. God, we love you today. We worship you. God, we know that you are not a God that sticks us somewhere to just sit in silence and suffer alone. God, that you have more in store for us than whatever mess we're facing. God, that when we feel like we just can't get through it alone, when we feel like the mess is too great, when we feel like we're sitting in our storm and no one else sees, God, you say that you are with us. God, your name for us is far better than anything we could choose. And God, would you remind us today that we are not alone that the mess is not the end, that you are greater than the mess. And would you pull us out today? We love you, Jesus. If that's you today and you need prayer, there are men and women at the tables on the right and the left. They would love to pray with you and walk you through whatever mess you're going through today and speak life and joy over you. Uh, we just want to encourage you again, take a look at the bulletin, join with us uh, next Sunday as we continue to talk about men and women of faith. And as we continue to learn what he has for us, that his plan is big and it's not small. We love you today and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.